0: You are listening to an audio broadcast from the Charlottesville Vineyard Christian Church. So we've been in a series called Restoration People. And uh, the, the story I want to start out with this morning is is the story of, um, of Moses and uh, the Israelites traveling through the Sinai Peninsula. There's a scene in this story where um, where the Israelites... Uh, run into the Amalekites, and the Amalekites are not a, a very friendly bunch at all. And uh, so, what happens is um, is war ensues. The Amalekites attack the Israelites, and uh, there's problems, right? And um, God speaks to Moses. It's assumed that God speaks to Moses, um, and Moses finds a hill nearby where this in front of this battle scene. And you can imagine thousands of warriors going at it, right? In this sort of deserted. Peninsula, probably mountainous, so a very barren, desolate place. And um, as the, the war is happening, as the battle is ensuing, uh, Moses and two of his friends, Aaron and Hur, climb up to the highest hill nearby that they can find that oversees this battle scene. But this whole story is in, is in Exodus 17, if you're interested in, in, uh, in tagging along here. Um, but essentially what happens is God speaks to um, Moses about raising his staff up in the air. And so let's just try a little exercise. Everybody with me while I tell this story. Hold your hand out like this. Just, just hold it out like this. So I'll finish the story, and we'll see if, if anybody's tired of holding their arm out just in the few moments here that I'm telling this story. So you have your arm out. You're holding the staff up, right? And um, picture this battle going on for hours and hours and hours in mean, the whole day. And Moses isn't just holding his hand up, but he has a staff in his hand, the same staff that he's used to to perform miracles um, and so forth in Egypt. And as you can probably imagine, is anybody's arm just, even now, less than a minute, getting a little bit tired? Some of you are like, no, no problem. Some of you are like, yeah, I really don't like this very much. (laughs) Well, you can put them down, but... (laughs) As you can imagine, as you can imagine it's a pretty tiring thing to have to hold your staff or your arm up for hours on end while the battle ensues because basically the instructions were that while your your staff is held up in the air, the Israelites will be victorious. But if your arms come down, the Amalekites will be victorious. And it it doesn't go into great elaboration in the scripture, but you can you get a sense that there are times when Moses is just like you know his arms are getting so tired he can't hold them up, and then he sees the battle begin to turn, and he sees the Amalekites really taking the the um, the momentum away from the Israelites, and so Aaron and her his his close friends advisors come up to the hill where where Moses stands. And they decide, okay, we've got to help him out. We've got to put a rock underneath him so that he can actually sit down and not stand the whole time. So they get a big rock. Imagine that's probably a pretty heavy thing. And they get him to sit down, right? And then it says that, the scripture says that um, Aaron and Hur grab an arm each. Each of them grab an arm and hold Moses' hands up in the air while he's holding that staff. And so for the rest of the day... and. You know, I don't know how long, it doesn't say how long this battle takes place, but we can imagine thousands of troops on both sides. And these aren't necessarily trained warriors, right? These are, these are people that were just slaves in Egypt, you know, the other day. Um, so you can imagine thousands of these warriors battling this out, and um, it's probably taking several hours. And so Aaron and her, you get this picture of Aaron and her. In fact, I think I have. picture, hey, it's not terribly clear, but a picture of Aaron and her holding Moses' arms up as he holds that staff. And at the end of the day, the Israelites do win the battle. And it's really because Moses was able to keep his hands up. But Moses wasn't able to keep his hands up without Aaron and her at his side. And the reason why I, I start out with, with this, this story is because I think it says a lot to us. It, it really summarizes very well what God calls his people to when he calls us to be in relationship and in community with one another. There are certain elements that I want to talk about today um, that, uh, that the community of God, the people of God, um, symbolize from this story, and that is, one, visible. Uh, you see them on the top of a hill. So the whole army could look up and see Moses with his staff up in the air, right? Or Aaron and, Aaron and her holding his staff up in the air. Um, it's also a picture of serving one another. So Moses, again, wouldn't be able to do this without Aaron and her. It's working together for a, a, a cause, for some purpose, right? And in this case, you have um, Moses doing his job, Aaron and her doing their jobs, and then the rest of the, the Israelites doing their job down, down at the bottom of the hill. Um, each, each person, each group of people in this, in this story has a role to play, they're essential. Without Aaron and her, this whole thing's done. Without the Israelite army, the whole thing's done. Without Moses, it's done. Every person is significant, valued, and has a role to play. And then finally, there's, there's a sense of unity, that they're all sharing the same purpose. They're all working towards the same goal. And they all share the same spirit. And so again, I, I think this story really does a great job of just in, in, what is it, eight short verses, nine short verses describing what God calls us to in terms of community, in terms of relating to one another. Now, as I mentioned, we've been working through a series called Restoration People. And um, this is really about the work that God's been doing throughout history um, of restoring his creation. Two weeks ago, I talked about it. I sort of laid out the story of God and his people. And in that story, we see that God creates a creation that's good. He creates man and woman, and he calls the whole of his creation good. And uh, things, are, things are going pretty well. Um, things take a turn when Adam and Eve decide to eat some fruit. And we have what we refer to as the fall. So this is a fall away from God. It's, it's um, mankind turning uh, his or her collective back on God. And ever since that time, we have God working throughout history to restore humanity and all of his creation back to himself, back to that sort of right relationship with him. And... Um, this week, particularly, we're focused on, well, last week we focused on at the individual level. What does that look like when we as individuals are restored to God's original plan, when we're restored to that relationship with him, and we, we use the, uh, the terminology restored to the image of God? So, what does that look like when humanity, when individuals are restored to the image of God? We spent some time looking at that. Today, we're going to look at community. What does it look like when the body, uh, there's some echo, isn't there? Um, when the body, does anybody know sound? Can you turn the echo off? Thank you. Um, so when the body returns or is restored to that image of God, what does that look like? And then next week, thank you, Steve. Next week we'll look at um, what it looks like when the people of God are out restoring the rest of creation. So what do we? What does that look like? What are we doing? So um, again, last week I used that 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 idea of being made in His image. And I'll reference that throughout today as well, and I'm sort of using that, um, those two to go hand-in-hand. Hand. When we talk about what it looks like for God to restore community, his body, back to his original image, um, the, the term image and restoration sort of come hand-in-hand hand for me. So if you hear me switching back and forth, that's where I'm at. There is another scripture in New Testament that I think really uh, summarizes very, very well the idea the the heart behind um, what God is looking for when, he, when he's trying to restore his people back to himself. And it's um, found in John 13, uh, chapter 13, verses 34 to 35. I have it up. There it is. Jesus says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Again, not a ton of detail, but a really great job of summarizing the heart of God when it comes to what he's calling his people to uh, in terms of right relationship with one another and uh, a restored community or a, an image-bearing community. Is that you tracking with me? All right. So the rest of, of what I want to talk about today is really kind of elaborating on this idea of what does it mean to love one another, right? What does that look like to be the image-bearing restoration people? Um, And one thing that we see in this that I I think very interesting is the verse 35, the second verse in this. He says, Jesus says, by this, so implying um, as a result, essentially, or because of what I just said, right, all men will know that you're my disciples. So there is in here, uh, embedded in this, this idea that everyone will know Jesus. Everyone will know who God is because of his disciples, because his disciples are doing such a great job of loving one another. You catch that, right? Um, and one thing that I found very fascinating about this, and this goes back a couple of weeks to the story of God and his people, I talked about how God had made a covenant with Abraham. And in the midst of that covenant, he talked about his descendants being a blessing to all nations. That that's part of the plan of God is, is to work through uh, Abraham, then subsequently his people, so the nation of Israel we know, uh, as it turns out. And uh, the nation of Israel was intended to be the people that are a blessing to all nations around them, even the Amalekites, right? That was, that was the intention, is to be a blessing. So here we see this language, Jesus picking back up on that. And, and, you know, I don't know if he had that in mind or not, but clearly he had in mind the story of God and what he was about, his work. And his work is to be a blessing to all nations. And so you see that language in this, um, the echoes at least of that language, that all will know, everyone. There's no, that's one group, right? There's, there's no like all but, all but these few people. It's everyone that he refers to. So essentially what we see here is that the church should be attractive enough uh, to others outside the church. In order to draw them into the presence and, and and of worship and love of god right um there's also an unsaid expectation here that uh that I think is really important and and it's that there there's action this isn't he doesn't say love one another have a nice have nice warm feelings for one another you know that's that's maybe embedded in the idea of love but uh so the the, the so that others will see implies that there's some action here right. That we are actively loving one another, that we're not just sitting around saying, "Oh, you know, I just think, I just think Lynn Lynn is so swell, you know, or Gordon is such a such a great guy. I really just love hanging out with him, you know." That that's it's, it goes beyond that. It's wow. It's active love, right? There's even a door in the way there too. Um, <laughs> Love our children. Okay. So before we get into some of the real practical stuff, I want to also mention one thing about how this works. Um, And this is an observation from the creation story. I did this last week as well. We talked about um, as individuals being restored to the image of God. And we looked at the creation narrative, the time before the fall away from God. And we looked at that dynamic, the relationship between Adam, Eve, and God. And... Um, You know, the fact that there was a real proximity there, there's a real close, intimate relationship with God. There's a number of other characteristics in our relationship with God before the fall that I think we're called to get back to. Um, There's not a whole lot about um, the relationship between Adam and Eve, but there's a couple things I do want to point out. Uh, One is that God says in the creation narrative that it's not good for man to be alone. Now, this this is when he's created Adam but he hasn't yet brought Eve into the scene, right? And so he looks at Adam and he says, gosh, you know, it's, it's just not good for you to be alone. This isn't a good thing. And then he also says, Adam needs a helper, right? So what I see in this is this, this um, sense that in the creation narrative, in the, the, the image that God wants to call us back to, is there's a clear sense of interdependency, right? That we're not alone, it takes us and other people together to do this, whatever this is, and we'll talk about that, um, but that there's also a, a dependency. You know, that term helper is a very specific term that he's using. He doesn't say he needs a buddy, he needs uh, a girlfriend, he needs a playmate, you know, it uh, doesn't need somebody to go climb trees with him and make tree forts, no. He needs a helper, somebody to help him accomplish the job that God's put out for him, right? So... Again, there's implied this, this, this interdependency in the very essence of who we are, in the very core of who God made us to be is there's this interdependency. And so I want us to just keep that in mind as we go through these real practical ways that, that we can love one another, is that in all of this, we have to remember that there is this interdependency. And we will hear people from time to time say, oh, no, it's just, just me and Jesus, I don't need a, a, a body, I don't need to belong to a particular group of people, Or I can just sort of bounce around and never really be invested in one place. I'll just tell you, that's not healthy. That is not the way God intends you to be. I understand that when we're checking out places, we bounce around. That makes sense. But eventually, it's important that we dig in somewhere. We invest somewhere. We build deep relationships. And that is the only way that we're going to build the kind of relationships where at some point we're interdependent on one another. Okay, so let's keep that in mind. So, what else would it look like to be an image-bearing community that actively loves one another? Uh, slides, not very extensive, but slide nonetheless. So, the first thing is about serving one another. Okay, um, this the the verse that I mentioned in in um, in chapter John chapter thirteen: love one another. Um, that comes right on the heels, almost right on the heels of Jesus washing the feet of the other disciples. So it's the the Last Supper. Heard that term before? This is the night before Jesus is about to die, and what does he decide to do? Instead of, um, I don't know, instead of you know having a I don't know a Kumbaya party or I don't know what, instead of doing a number of things that he could have done, he decides to go in and wash the feet of his disciples. Right, and these you can imagine. You go back a couple thousand years. No paved streets. No um, socks and shoes at that point. They're wearing sandals. Very dirty streets. Nasty, dirty feet. Right. Some of us who have like little nieces or nephews or children, uh, you let them go outside in the summer months or springtime. It's a little muddy out, and maybe they don't have their shoes on. They come back in the house, dirty, nasty feet. Right. Stick them in the bathtub. In this case, no bathtubs. Jesus has to go around with a little basin, wash basin, and and literally get down on his hands and knees and wash people's feet. That's what he does. And on the heels of that, he talks about loving one another, loving one another actively. So to me, clear implication here is that we are called as a community to serve one another. And this is about sacrificial love. This is about going beyond uh, the simple, okay, well, I'll turn the light on for you, or Oh, here's there's where the bathtub is, right? This is getting down on our hands and knees and serving one another. And this could involve any number of things, They're just some practical ideas of what this looks like. Um, this could be encouraging one another through Bible or bookstore studies. You know, say we're in small groups, and uh, we want to spend some time digging through Scripture or through a book, or whatever it may be. This is an opportunity to encourage one another. That's a service to one another. Um, it's encouraging one another through prayer. You know, sometimes we, uh, oftentimes we try to pray after we're done here. And um, sometimes people do come up and we'll literally just lay hands on them and pray for them. This is also those Tuesday nights when we get together and pray and intercede for, for those in our community. Um, as I look around, there's very few people in this room who on a Tuesday night when we've prayed, we haven't mentioned you by name and prayed specifically for you. And you are prayed for. So that's, to me, a service for one another. That's how we can serve and care for one another. Um, it 's also and this has happened a handful of times to Megan and I since we moved here and, and started working on planting this church is it 's challenging one another. you know a few people have challenged us in in the last few years, and i 'll tell you every time it 's happened there 's been a lot of fruit that 's come from it, um, especially if if the the heart behind it is one of love and care and concern there 's sometimes where people will challenge you um, and they don 't really care a whole lot about you, and you can feel that. You know, you can feel that. Um, But the times where it's really impacted us and made a difference for us is when that person or those people really do care about us and do really care about what what we're doing here and and care about what God's called us as a community to. And when they challenge us, it's great. There's so much good fruit that comes from it. But that's also serving one another, right? Confronting in love. Um, There's also um, calling out, encouraging gifts or passions, you know you see somebody who's just got a passion for uh the homeless or or whoever it may be this, this is an opportunity for us to say you know don't just don't just hold that to yourself uh you see that um and Roger I hate to pick on you but I'm going to um Roger has a, you know he can't, comes up to me after the the pacham week and he's just like I love that it was great you know what a what a shame if i if i didn't say something about man that is the way god made you you're gifted and you're passionate about that wow let's call that out let's encourage that what a shame if i just say oh that's cool you know and just went on right and i know i've done that before but encouraging and calling out gifts and passions and those sorts of things things that god's put into us that is part of of a restoration community that's part of of us being those image-bearing people um it's hands-on it's, it's very simple things. I know uh, Jamie really came over and helped out Karen. She's been doing some work to her home. I don't know if anybody knows this, but last this last summer, right, that uh, major problems, uh, uh, water, plumbing problems. And so she's been doing a lot of work to her place. And I know Jamie at one point came over and helped her with some of the electrical stuff. When I talked to him afterwards, he said oh, it was no big deal. It was easy stuff, but wasn't necessarily easy for Karen. She didn't know all that electrical stuff. Little things like that, just going and serving one another um, yeah, <laughs> so that's a problem, right? <laughs> so we're also caring for the environment at the same time um, it's it's practically it's listening to someone who's hurting, you know, going through a hard time, just being in the ear it's um you know, I think about Megan and I, how many times have we been blessed over the last few years, and, and there's, there's really, it's got to be countless times I can think of that we've been blessed by being a part of this community. Just a few things that come to mind, um, you know, when we, we used to live at Lake Monticello a couple of years ago, we moved out to Belmont, we sold that home, and a bunch of you came out and helped us move. We couldn't have done that on our own. We didn't have the money to pay movers, um, and it would have taken a week for me to load the truck by myself. Uh, let alone with having a little toddler in the house. So that was huge. And then when we moved into our, our home in Belmont, how many of you came by to just help rip down walls or put in electricity or or put up a wall, put up a cabinet, whatever it may be? I mean, a bunch of you helped out in, in ways that, that we just really appreciate and we needed. Um, you know, when, when we had Eliana, our second child, um, just, what, 12 weeks ago, 13 weeks ago, Um, Susan came to, uh, to be there for the delivery and, um, you know, it's just what a blessing to have Susan there who's so caring and compassionate and, and, uh, knows some of the medical stuff, um, to be there in the room with us, a really good friend to, to look after Megan specifically, but even me at times, um, you know, in this process of having a a second child, I mean, amazing stuff, really, um. But really the message here is whatever you're good at, whatever you have skills or abilities in, or even if you're not good, maybe you're not good at tearing down. Maybe you're not good at at setting up coffee or whatever it is. But it doesn't matter. Just go do it. This is about serving one another. It's about about seeing needs, picking up, and going and doing it, right? Um, And again, I'll just – there's that unset expectation that it's action-oriented. It's not just a feeling. It's not just Roger saying, I really like those – Those homeless guys that I met, they're such swell guys. And then never doing anything again. This means Roger goes out and cares for them uh, on a fairly regular basis, whatever that means. Or it it doesn't mean that Jamie says, oh, Karen's got such a problem with her electricity. Oh, I really hope things go well for her. You know, it's going out and doing something next time. Um, We'll have an opportunity this spring. I know that there's um, Calvin's mother. We're going to be helping out, hopefully, working on her home. There's a lot to be done there. And I know a number of us are handy people. So this is going to be an opportunity for us to come together as community and go serve and care for her and care for her home, right? So it's things that we can do practically to serve one another, and that's what God calls us to. And this is something that we at the Vineyard really want to be. I didn't mention mention this at the beginning, but this, this whole series, Restoration People, is very, very close to my heart. Um, there's been a number of times the last few weeks uh, that as I've been praying, praying and preparing for this, I try to make that one word, pray, prayer or whatever that is, preparing. Preparing, preparing. Um, as I've been praying and preparing for this, I've been sitting there like hiding my head because I've been tearing up, you know. And I'm in a ca- in a cafe with all these people walking by, and I'm like, oh, I don't want somebody to stop and say, "You're all right," you know. I just, it was good. It was a good cry, but um, you know, this is really close to our heart. Is about restoring the world and restoring our lives. Um, but my hope and my passion is that people, when they come into the Charlottesville, Vineyard, when they meet when they see us interacting with one another, that they know that we love each other well, that we actively care for one another, that we actively serve one another. That's a passion for me, for this community. And I know we're already doing that stuff. Um, So I want to just continue to breathe life into that. I want God to do that. Um, Okay, so the second thing is is about working together. Uh, Let me just say... Let me just say one other thing about – or a couple other things about that, um, serving one another. Going back to that theme of interdependency, again, you see that probably in every example I mentioned, or as if you, if you think about what it looks like to serve one another. There's that idea of, of interdependency. We can't do it alone, right? And then there's this idea of stretching ourselves. Um, I think that people – because Jesus says so that others will know, right, there's this sense that um, – that that what we do as his body is above and beyond sort of the the norm normal thing out there. So what neighbor won't lend his or her neighbor their shears you know to go work on their house. What neighbor won't lend them a shovel, you know, when it's snowing outside. I mean that's pretty common. There's some mean people out there, but for the most part people will lo- lend stuff and maybe help out a little bit. This what we're talking about is sacrificial. We're talking about we're talking about um, being inconvenienced in our lives for one another right we 're talking about you know i 've got something to do but i 'm going to go over there and help you anyway, right or whatever it may be so that 's the kind of 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 stretching ourselves beyond our comfort zone that I think God calls us to that that I think really stands out above and beyond um, the normal day to day helping each other out. Does that make sense okay, so uh, again, the second thing is is about working together. And we saw that in the image of, of Aaron and her helping out Moses, that they're really working to, to accomplish something with Moses. And, and he really, again, there's that picture of interdependency. That they really need one another. Um, Paul's, uh, Paul uses this reference to um, uh, the church being a body. Um, you may have seen that or, or read that before, that there's, there's all these parts that have different, you know, like my hand, this does very different things than my eyes or my nose, right? Um, so there's this picture that Paul paints of the church being like the body, that we have a bunch of different people with different gifts, different skills, different abilities, experience, knowledge, whatever it may be, and we're all working together to accomplish the same thing, right? So Paul um, gets a little bit sarcastic and, you know, kind of gives you pictures of it's silly for a body to be all feet, basically, or that sort of thing, Right? Um, but really the idea there is that, uh, when we talk about working together, when we talk about each having our role is that we're, we're pulling our gifts and our abilities together to accomplish something important. Um, and, and the, the community that God created, the restoration community, the image bearing community is one where nobody's left out, where everybody does have a role to play. Everybody has a gift or ability or something to give, even if it's just cheering on the people who are building the house, you know? Some of us don't have a handy bone in our body, right? So maybe we can make some food for those who do have all the handy bones. Or uh, maybe we can pay for some of the supplies because we're really good at making money. or You know, whatever the case may be. You know, all of us have something to give in every single situation, and the idea is that we're working together to fulfill God's purposes in the world, right? And so we get out there. We try to figure out what it is that God's calling us to do. And that's something that I'm very passionate about for Vineyard is that we're paying constantly paying attention to what God is doing here in Charlottesville. What is he calling us as a community to? Because I think there's a lot of other churches out there that are fantastic places for people to belong to. Uh, and they have their thing. They have the things that God's called them to. But I believe that God's called us to a specific purpose as well. And so it's us constantly listen, listening to God and and trying to accomplish those purposes that he's put specifically here for the Charlottesville Vineyard. Does that make sense? So we're working together to do those things. Um, you know, again, going back to, for instance, the Potchum dinner. You see uh, uh, some people are in the kitchen. They're good at making stuff. They're good at at at, um, you know, the multitasking that it takes to make a, a a meal, right? There's things that are heated up at this time and the, the buns need to go in later because they take less time to cook and the drinks need to be out and ready at the right time. And then there's people who are organized, out there talking to folks and connecting with them and, and just encouraging them, maybe praying for them. There's folks that are out there organizing the, 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 the line, and there's, uh, you know, I think Karen was out there sort of getting everybody kind of organized, saying, you need to go here and blah, 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 right? So there's all these different roles that play together, and that is a, a really great picture. I think if you were there for Pocham in December, it's a really great picture. I unfortunately was sick, um, but from the stories I heard, a beautiful picture of, of us as a community working together and being that image-bearing community. I guarantee you those men of Pacham are blessed every time a community like ours comes in and does that kind of thing for them. Um, and again, there's this picture of of interdependency. Um, you know, we, we uh, again, Paul kind of paints that picture in, in the, the body that, um, you know, the hand really is dependent on the arm, right? Because without the arm, the hand's going to look like... Um, What's that cartoon? Veggie ever ever see Veggie It's just like two hands floating next to a cucumber body. If you're not familiar with Veggie uh it's a cartoon sort of animation thing, and uh, these vegetables who go on adventures together, and uh, their hands are sort of just out here floating around. You don't know. There's no arm. Well, if we didn't have an arm, that hand's done. It, we don't have an ar- a hand that can sort of float out there and accomplish things like the Veggie Tales do, right? So. Uh, every part is essential, and every part depends on the next. Um, and we can find ways that the hand depends on the eye, and vice versa. I guarantee it. Um, and at Vineyard, we hope to be a community where people feel like they're essential, where you don't feel like okay, there's really there's there really is nothing for me to do here. There's really nothing that I can add. Um, where everybody feels important and valued. Um, where where no job, no work. Is considered beneath me or too too little for me to uh, to, to work on, um, where we're accomplishing really great things together. we're doing the work of God together. That's something that we want at the vineyard. Okay, the third thing when it comes to being a community that restores the image of God at the community level, is about unity. It's about working towards unity together or pursuing unity together. Um, and this is this is all throughout scripture uh, when God speaks about his body his his church there's there 's a very clear call towards unity, and it takes great priority in the scriptures is this idea of unity and it 's not about believing all the same things and sharing all the same exact opinions that 's not what what anybody 's referencing when we 're talking about unity within the church what what uh what they are talking about and what i'm talking about is about a genuine love and acceptance of one another regardless of differences right uh, it's it's accepting that there are differences right but but a genuine love and appreciation for one another uh, regardless of that it's um it's about being people being united with people who are not just like you and we all have that tendency there's 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 something innate inside of us that that wants to be with people that are a lot like us. They have similar backgrounds, maybe similar interests. Um, they live in similar neighborhoods, whatever it may be. There's this, this sort of in, innate draw towards that, right? But the people of God are not those people. The people of God, the image-bearing community, is the type of community where people connect with others who aren't just like them, right? So There's, there's, there's a lot of diversity in that. Um, the, we're talking about when we talk about unity, we're talking about um, healthy treatment of conflict. So we have something that, um, you know, somebody's done something to, to frustrate me or um, to hurt me, whatever the case may be. And uh, we're willing to talk about those things. We're willing to sit down and have a conversation. Um, and we do that with, with love and, and tact as much as we can um, gather together. But we're willing to confront one another when we see something that's just not right, or when we've been hurt in some way. the uh, the community of the community of unity that um, that Paul and Jesus talk about is is one that speaks well and truthfully of one another. It's not the type of community that um, you know when when a few of us are together, we're talking about so and so, and how it frustrates me every time so and so does this, and how lame they are, or whatever it is. That's not the kind of community that Jesus or Paul or God or whoever talks about in Scripture. It's the type of community where we, even even if we're frustrated with somebody, we still speak well of them. We still love them, and other people know that. We speak truthfully of them. Um, a, a unified community is one that shares hope and passion. Um, so uh, we have the same hopes. Again, we don't have necessarily the same opinions. Or the same beliefs, all the same beliefs, but we have the same hope, and we have the same passion, and all of that is directed towards God, right? And uh, finally, the the um, unified community will be one where people are known by their desire to see others succeed within community. I really want to see Justin flourish, you know. I really want to see Tim be the man God's called him to be, you know. And I'm not saying you guys aren't but um you know i, I, I that's that's the kind of community we want to be is where you know the, the the competition that can so easily come up between uh between two people is set aside and we say i really want you to be successful even if that means that i you know i don't get everything that i kind of thought i was hoping I, I would get right i really want you to be successful um because if you think about this idea of unity, if we're serving one another well and we're working together for, um, for the purposes of God, we can still be ununified, right? And if you have a bunch of people that are, that are you know, doing things like, you know, going over and fixing the light switch or whatever and um, are working together to, I don't know, another project, um, but if they're not unified What does that say to others as they look at that community if they're not unified? Really, just throw it out there. What does that say? There's no unity there. Is that a good thing? They're still doing something. Yeah, there's something missing. There's something at the heart of it, the core of it, that's just not attractive. You know, it's nice that you guys care for each other. It's nice that you serve each other. But I don't really want to be a part of it. You guys don't seem to like each other. You know, you don't seem to love on each other. You don't seem to have this this shared purpose or, or, or goal. And, um, in fact, you're kind of backstabbing. That's not, mm, I don't like that. I'm not going to be a part of it. So the unity has to be there with, with serving and working together. Um, and to do this, uh, real practically, to have that kind of unity, we need to be spending time with each other. We need to be praying and interceding for each other. Even if you're not coming, and and I don't want to pressure anybody, but if you're not coming to, like, the Tuesday night prayer, I still think it's really important that outside of that Tuesday night we're praying for one another. That's just an opportunity for us to do it corporately, but we can intercede outside of that. Um, It means that we're learning about each other. We're hearing each other's stories, which again implies that we're actually spending time with one another. It means that we're serving each other and we're working alongside each other. And um, just one sort of side point – I think a lot of this is really accomplished well in the context of of intentional meeting outside of a Sunday gathering. Um, That's why as you look at what we're focused on for 2010 in Vineyard, we're really, really um, passionate about trying to um, breathe life into the small group ministry for the Vineyard. I think that's really important for us uh, because you all know um, you can hang out here on Sundays and sort of connect with people but not really get to know them. You know, and and it's hard to do that because we have stuff we do every Sunday, right? We're setting up, and then we're worshiping, and then we're doing communion, and then I'm talking or somebody's talking, and then we're praying, and then we're tearing down, and then we're gone, right? And in those margins, we get time to talk to each other, but we need to be intentional about our community outside of Sunday Sunday gatherings, and, and so that's something that we're really going to focus on this year. Um, but, but along these lines, our hope at Vineyard is to be a community where a variety of people from a variety of backgrounds work together and serve together, serve one another. Um, a people whom others look at and say, you know, there's something that they have that I really want. I want to be a part of that. I don't know what it is, maybe, or maybe I do. But there's something they have that I really want. So um, Jesus uses this metaphor of, of a bride to reference his church you've probably heard of that before and all too often the bride is a it's just just be honest it's a the bride is a broken mess all too often i mean is that true i know i am sometimes yeah you know um but god calls us to be this radiant and beautiful woman that all are attracted to that all just say wow i want i want to go meet her you know i want to i want to have a relationship with her right so that's what that's what Jesus, when Jesus uses that reference to the church of being a bride, he's not talking about some broken down, uh, messed up lady, right? I mean, that's not the image he has in mind. He's picturing this beautiful image of a woman, right? And, uh, and so if Jesus uses that metaphor of a beautiful bride, that's what we're called to be. We're called to be a community restored to the image of God, Uh, that are going to be a people that actively love one another. And it looks like a community with with a spirit of unity uh, that cares for one another sacrificially and accomplishes things that the world can't even imagine. And this is the kind of community that we want to be, the Vineyard. So why don't we take a few minutes to, to close and pray?